that positive mindset, learning from failure and just having a go and have the courage. And I think if you have all of that skill set um, and just continue to continually learn, you'll be a great mm. software mm. tester. Whatever yeah. level you're doing, whether you're management, whether you're hands-on role, but just have a go and have that courage. And it does sound really cheesy, doesn't it? Have a positive mindset, be happy. But it's just particular things like believing you're good enough, believing you know you add value, yeah, um, yeah. having that self-belief, knowing mm. who you are and not apologizing for it. I think it's all about looking after yourself and looking after Mm -hmm. your mind. So one of the things that we we all do is we're busy. We're busy all the time. Even in our spare time or our lunch breaks, we have to watch Netflix. We have to go for a walk. We have to do something. (laughs) Um, You know, we have to fill our weekends with extra projects. Hello and welcome to Liberated Tester Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I am Gunesh Patil. On this show, we uncover secrets to the right mindset and skills to help you succeed in your software testing profession. Today on the show, we have Melissa Fisher. She is an engineering manager at EasyJet. She goes by the name Fish Outside the Box on social media. She is a huge mental health advocate and is an active member of our testing community. She has an amazing book called Testing Stories on LeanPub. I would highly recommend you to check it out. The link is in the description. We have talked about a lot of topics like mental health, usability versus testability, working from home versus working from office. How can you write better test documentation, growth mindset and tips to develop positive mindset. And also there are some book recommendations that follow. So welcome to the episode once again. And if you do like the episode, I would request you to do one thing for me. Leave a review on your favorite app. So without further ado, please welcome Melissa Fisher. Hi. Welcome, Melissa, on the show. Thank you for accepting the invite. We welcome you on the show. Very much grateful for you to be here. Thank you so much. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Um, First of all, I just want to thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I've actually never been on a podcast, so it's a new experience for me. So I thought I'd, uh, yeah, jump in and have a go. All right. So yeah, on that note, I, I saw yeah, I saw that you have been also part of the community quite actively. You have also extended the support to a lot of people uh, during resume screening and the resume feedback where I think that's that's when we actually connected maybe. So in that in that sense, when um, when was the first time you actually started looking outside your job and getting into the community, getting that involvement? What was that? one inspiration or one person that uh, got you into this? Uh, 
Um, yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think for the first sort of five to eight years of my testing career, mm-hmm. I wasn't involved in the testing community at all. Um, so I live in the UK and I saw something around uh, Ministry of Testing, their uh-huh. sort of testing community in the UK. And I saw some posts on sort of some social networks and I thought, ah, that is that is really mm-hmm. interesting. Um And what I like about sort of communities is that they're very supportive of each other and you don't need to know all the answers and you can get involved. And I find that really um, interesting. Um, As I was going, you know, along in my career, I was getting a little bit more experienced and I noticed, you know, in the workplace, I started to sort of start helping other people. And that's Uh where it really started in the workplace, Um, you know, helping developers understanding the role of the tester or helping junior testers understand what testing is all about. So Mm -hmm. it really started at work. And then I started getting a bit more involved with sort of the um, testing community, going to sort of conferences. However, it really kicked off actually during the pandemic. Um, I started to, you know, be a bit more active online. Um, It was really for that sense of connection. I guess I was feeling a little bit lonely at home. Uh, We were all stuck at home. It wasn't pleasant. And I really wanted that sense of social side. So I took Mm -hmm. to, um, I created a Twitter account. Um, That's really where it took off for me. Um, I started being a bit bolder and sharing my thoughts around testing. Um, And then I ended up sort of public speaking, speaking at Ministry of Testing. I I went to uh, Nordic Testing Days in Estonia Mm -hmm. this year, which was absolutely incredible. Um, But my real joy uh, was mentoring a couple of people. So there's a lady called um, Louise um, mm-hmm, and another mm-hmm. lady called Yogita, and they wanted some help with sort of, um, you know, getting into a career or software testing. Yeah, and then yeah. I started sorting some mentoring sessions with them. And um, I'm really pleased to say they work really hard and they both have testing roles now. So wow. it just brings <laughs> me a lot of joy, like helping other people. Yeah. Um, I think we should all be in that mindset when we get a bit further along in our career, help other people, help them get to where you are. I feel that's just one of my ethos is, <laughs> just, um, <laughs> yeah, kind of like helping other people. It's important um, yes. to lift other people up around. And I find it comes back around. If you help mm. other people, they help you too. Yes, so that's absolutely. kind of my kind of mantra of how I work. That's a that's a really nice um, way of working because I even I've I've kind of observed these things. Uh, giving uh, is is more uh, important these days because we have we have fair share of learnings of our own. So then what we give back is what we get back as well, as you rightly said. Um, attending uh, the conferences apart but i i'm i understand that you have also been hosting a test party so um, so that was or you hosted a test party if uh, i'm not sure if it's still a continuous thing or not but um, i would like to understand more like what what really goes behind uh, the scenes of hosting a particular event because i know like doing one episode of podcast takes a lot of effort i can't i can't really imagine what goes on 
when you have to have a full event um so yeah can can you tell us more like what goes behind the scenes what you did yeah definitely so for a bit of context i've moved roles recently so i've joined mm-hmm. as a quality engineering manager at easyjet so i'm still feeling relatively new i've been there two months now um however there was an opportunity to host a test party um mm-hmm. they were looking mm-hmm. for volunteers so immediately as a new person i'm like putting my hand up saying i want to get involved so um there's two different things that we have at EasyJet, there's something called a test forum. And that's where people get together and share kind of the work that they're doing at the moment. Um, mm-hmm, we've mm-hmm. got a lot of teams and things like that. So it's kind of um, like just creating that awareness, um, helping each other with the current projects that we're doing. Um, and the second thing is a test party. This is where we are learning sort of new techniques um, and having those sorts of conversations. So it's really, um, yeah, growth for employees, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, So as part of a test party, what we're doing at the moment is we're watching a talk from the community. Um, So that's one of the things that we're doing. So what it involves is picking a talk beforehand and then all of us watching that talk. And we have something called a Miro board where we all add our thoughts and our learnings as we go go along. Um, So my role as kind of a host is to get people talking. So Mm -hmm. after we've watched the talk, it's like, what did you what was on your mind? as you're watching that, what are the sorts of things that um, you're learning, um, you, you learned when you uh, watched it. Um, but that's one of the things the test party does. But I understand that previously they've done exploratory testing sessions. So okay. they picked mm-hmm. an area of the product and they all get together and sort of break out into different sort of teams and do an exploratory testing sort of um uh, work through of a particular area of the product and not only testers attend like developers and other people from the EasyJet community get involved in that um, and I believe they've got ideas for the new year to do some games so some sort of testing games I hear there's something called the testing playground that someone in the community has done and there's lots of games that we could do with that um, But yeah, it's really growing and sort of learning in this space, which is really interesting. And Uh it's just uh finding different ways to for us all to connect and learn different things. Um, So the talk that we watched was about um, sort of coaching and mentoring. Mm -hmm. So that was really interesting. Like, what is the difference? How do you go about it? Um, It's a really important topic, I find, as software testers, because we are not only helping sort of software testers around us, but also getting project managers, business Mm. analysts, you know, to understand what we do. Um, Have you come across that as well, where you're having to educate team members about what testing is all about? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. We, um, like you said, you're just two months at EasyJet, right? I'm also Mm. like in my eighth month now at my new organization getting uh, people to first understand the bounds of testing what what we really is in scope and what we are really going to tackle takes a lot of effort because sometimes um, 
there are very few issues which are really related to the functionality that we that was part of a scope of the testing so it it takes couple of iterations to actually let people understand that just because it's a bug it doesn't mean that qa should have tested it i mean we should have the enablers to help us test it but it was not possible in the current situation so we can't really so it was it was to be done by the customer success people or some other team who is actually handling the uat and the beyond areas so yeah it takes it takes a bit of educating some iterations to actually fall through and then then people start to understand oh, okay not everything is related to our testing team some things have to be taken care of someone down the stream as well so yeah, yeah yeah we i have also observed that and it takes a bit of discussions and letting people know what the scope exactly is and everything yeah yeah definitely i feel um it's patience is a key skill of software <laughs> testers we do need to have a lot of patience and things take time yes. and we probably yes. don't talk about that very much you know yeah. how patient we are sometimes but it's really interesting the sort of reaction over responding you know like why wasn't this tested and then when yeah, you actually yeah. dig into it maybe it was faulty requirements or something mm. in the design and then over time like creating a bank of knowledge so that other team members can understand is really interesting it's creating sort of like facts isn't it and when people yes, can understand yes. the facts then yeah. they're like oh okay yeah and then they stop reacting like that don't they over time but yeah. yes patience is a big one for us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's a really undervalued skill so uh, speaking of um, new beginnings and new um, new things in the life i have also read that you recently moved your house as well yes yes that's right we've been here two months as well so i started a new job and new house at the same time so uh-huh. it's certainly been very busy and quite stressful <laughs> <laughs> oh i can understand because i've been in a couple of moves so it it really takes a, a lot yeah. of bandwidth in your uh, mind to actually you re- you always have that one thing oh did i miss this or did i miss that or oh, yeah. did we take care of this where where is this item in which box and all those things so i can yeah. i can really relate to that <laughs> <laughs> but did did any of our um, professional skills come in handy in the move uh, the whole move yeah that's a really interesting question and i have been thinking about this one i do feel what we learn at work we uh-huh. can take into our personal lives as well um I think for me this house move hasn't just been a few month thing it's been a year long project. So that's how I kind of see sort of you know creating new new products it is a big project and takes a lot of time. Yeah, so in yeah. terms of the house move um it started at the beginning of this year in January. Mm-hmm. So first of all it was kind of preparing the house to sell and kind of thinking about the things that we needed to do to ensure you know when people walk through that door a bit like a customer walking through yes. you know looking at your product um you know sees things in a good way and then we can start talking about quality if we wanted to here 
but it was simple things like um, a bit of the ceiling came down in our bedroom and we had uh-huh. to kind of stick it back up and plaster it. Um, there was painting that we needed to do, you know, looking like a nice finish. Um, so I think for me, in terms of one of the things I learned and relating it to product is thinking about who's walking through your door, <laughs> who's the customer and who's going to be the end person looking at it. Um Another thing I would say is that I think house moving is one of the top life stresses. It is really stressful moving a house. Mm. And I think in terms of products, creating products is really stressful as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's so many things to think about, right? Um, and there are moments where you need to look after your mental health and you need to mm. put things into mm. perspective. And you need to think about like what's in your control and what's outside of your control and then do the things that's inside your control. So these are things that I think about a lot. Um, You know, what is in my control at at work or at home um, and let go of the things that normally cause me stress. (laughs) (laughs) So that could be things like, I don't know, deadlines. I don't know, the kit, maybe the boys have something in school and I haven't made the cookies in time. Um, You know, just letting things go a little bit and just doing your best with what you've got. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Have you had situations like that too where, you've just had to put things into perspective and just do what's in your control and forget about the rest. Yeah, I mean, um, unless you get to that point, it, is, it doesn't really make sense. It just, it just takes unnecessary toll on your health uh, to put your thought energy to it. So yeah, yeah, there, there, are, there are always kind of situations like this where you have to come to a self-realization that, oh, no, this is not something that I need to worry about right now. Let's worry about it when we get to it. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think the other thing that I would think of in this sort of house moving and work <laughs> sort of comparison would be the incremental steps. I think you sort of mentioned it that you're, you know, you're doing a little bit of something first and then mm-hmm. doing the next mm-hmm. step after you've done that. So in terms of packing up the house, oh my goodness, it was so overwhelming to pack up the house. So yeah. I thought I'm just going to do this little section of this room and pack that box first. And that can be the same with software testing. I'm going to test this little bit here uh, first before I go on to the next bit. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a word here. It's being pragmatic, doing, you know, things in a sensible way and little steps. Um, I'm sure we've all done in the past. We've wanted to change something. I don't know, automating our Mm. regression packs or doing more exploratory testing. And it's just doing those little things first to build up and scale up. So yeah, maybe, yeah. for example, exploratory testing, just inviting one other person to do it with you to start with. And then the next time, maybe you could invite more of your scrum team or um, then the next time invite um, people outside of your team to get involved. So yeah, it's like yeah. thinking about the steps, the little steps and not trying to jump from A to B because it's too yeah. stressful that way. And yes. <laughs> I find, <laughs> yeah, it's just too hard work. Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, like in um, you started with Test Bash and other communities and the Twitter when um, it was mostly it was when COVID and you needed some social touch in that sense. And also now that you have moved to a new um, organization, 
there has been a lot of talk of mental health as covid and lockdown started we needed to look at our mental health more than ever but how do you see on an organizational level how can we help people shift the whole thing to consider people's mental health uh, than the priorities at work so maybe rearrange them or how can organization help you better manage your mental health have you seen anything being worked at easyjet or your previous organization yeah um this is this is quite um a touching subject to me because i have suffered from mental health issues um i i unfortunately i lost a child during my pregnancy and that oh. kind of kicked it off um and i really suffered from anxiety um and you know it was a couple of years for my recovery really and there's still mm-hmm. moments where i still suffer for, from it um i think mental health can be quite personal um not everyone does want to talk about it however yes. there are pe- you know there are people out there that will listen if mm. you need someone to talk to um then you know at easyjet for example and also at previous companies they've had a line where you can call um to have a chat with someone mm-hmm. and it can mm-hmm. be related to anything uh you're going through personally mental health finance any other troubles that you want to talk through um and it's all anonymous so your yeah. employer yeah. doesn't know mm-hmm. about the conversations that you're having um so that is really i think it's really important i think all workplaces should have that um you know a place where they're promoting to say if you need help go and, go and call this line there'll be someone to speak to mm. um also organizations um they've trained people up to be mental health first aiders mm-hmm. um i think organizations all organizations should be doing that having a couple of people in your organization trained up so people can just walk over and have a confidential chat yeah, um yeah mm-hmm. I, i didn't in my early career i didn't see very much of that at all um but i think organizations are starting to realize how important it is um to have those people in the workplace trained up um and i think the third thing for me um is training managers you know in mental health so they they can support their team members um being aware of what mental health is what to look out for how to support people um is vitally important um without training and awareness how how can you help um yes so that's really fundamentally important all organizations should start training and mm. mandatory for managers and leaders in my opinion So first of all I'm very sorry to hear about your incident and very glad that you had the support in that situation and you could um, manage that situation really well. Yes that's that's very crucial like un- unless you understand uh, what people are going through you can't you can't really be a be in a leader position to because emotional aspect of people is much more crucial than the skills most of the times. but yeah coming back to the leadership and the emotional support that leadership should be providing it can come up in terms of adjusting the work hours or giving the flexibility to people to actually manage their personal aspects as well as the work aspects so i think in terms of that many organizations after covid have kind of adjusted to that so they 
many people have started work from home as well where you can give time to your family and not be stuck in a commute for like let's say 2 hours 3 hours of time right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's that's something that i think the world is changing slowly enough but yeah it is changing and it is going to get better from here is what i feel do you feel the same i i i've got a, a mixed feeling um uh-huh. i feel you know we're starting to go out of the pandemic and organizations are going two ways like either keeping the flexibility or for example like twitter and elon musk he's mm. asking people to come <laughs> to the office yeah. so i think there's those two extremes here um for me personally i do enjoy going into the office um mm. at least you know once a week just to get that um connection um i do find it quite lonely at home but this is just my personal opinion but having you know i've got a family and lots of things going on outside of work so having that flexibility is really important yeah. and it does ha- help with your mental health um but it's interesting that seeing the organizational split because i've seen other organizations requiring you know you know sort of bonds in seats you've got to come to the office um so i think now though um i think the power is in our hands in terms of um employees at the workplace we can choose where we want to go we can yes. choose whether yeah. we go to an organi- organization that is flexible mm. or not flexible so you know it does make me wonder those companies that are not being flexible how is their recruitment going <laughs> i don't know the answer to this but it's just a question i think about um because i think everyone now is looking for flexibility they realize yeah. that, that it can work working from home um so interesting so we'll see how it turns out the next couple of years mm-hmm. um yeah yeah if you have watched uh, spiderman movies they say with great power comes great, great responsibility right so uh, it's 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 also like with that flexibility the accountability also comes that mm-hmm. when an organization is trusting in their employees to have that flexibility they should also hold themselves accountable for the time and work that they are putting in because mm-hmm. even i've seen instances of misuse of this flexibility and people not really being uh, that much committed to what their accountability should be so also i think some work around that mindset also needs to be there uh, otherwise otherwise it's it's the trust between the employee and the organization is gone i mean you, you can't really see it happening either ways then it gets into a slightly tricky situation when it comes to the performance reviews and other things right so even those would get impacted if we don't have that two way trust and accountability in both sides yeah that's that's really interesting i feel for me most people want to turn up to work and do a good job in in the majority of cases yeah. um however i can understand there's a minority that don't do that but i think just having some trust and believing people want to do their best work yes. um <laughs> and having that trust is really important um I I I give trust first. You know, I'm a people person. I believe the good in people and mm. I do believe that it's only the minority. Um 
There are occasions where it is good to be in the office, though. So, for example, when I was training as a sort of software tester and I was learning from other people, being in the office was good for me, I feel, at the start of my career. However, I think, um, you know, teachers, um, you know, more senior software testers are just finding different techniques in terms of helping people when they're remote anyway. So it's um, we have to adapt as leaders and mentors and coaches of how we help and educate in this remote setting as well. So we have to start adapting our styles, I think. So that's another interesting sort of uh, thought on coach and mentoring. Yeah, absolutely correct. When you say adapting to the new environment and adapting to the new ways of working is something that we also need in all the areas of our work right it just Mm. doesn't have to be the mentoring or the leadership way the way we do it right so in terms of you being now you're an engineering manager right what do you think whether it's a kpi driven management which yields better results or there are some areas where also like some of the kpi driven management also impacts the team mindset as well have you seen kind of these instances where you have seen the adverse effects of having a KPI-driven management uh, for the team. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm not sure I'd say adverse. I've seen the positive side Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, thinking about in terms of KPI, that could be um, your client retention rates, like are your customers staying with you? Yeah. Lots of companies do uh, sort of customer satisfaction surveys. Mm-hmm. And that's another good one. And sometimes the customers pri- provide some useful feedback. So that's really important. It really depends what you're measuring. <laughs> so those two <laughs> things would be really useful to me as a software tester. Like, are yeah. people staying with us? Yes or no. And why? Like, what? why are they staying with us or why are they leaving? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. how do we get better from that? And the same with the customer satisfaction. I think sometimes with goals and things like that, we can get a bit too tunnel visions with yeah, our goals. Yeah. Mm. And we have to be careful with that because something might land on your plate that could really add value to the company. But if you've got your blinkers on and you can't see that, or you're too focused on, I don't know, getting uh, production bug numbers down or something <laughs> like that, um, you'll forget this other piece that has landed on your table. So I think all Mm. of us as individuals and as teams have to have conversations about our KPIs, our metrics, our goals, to make sure that they're really adding value. Um, Just really using those critical thinking skills. Like if someone puts a goal out, you know, goal in front of you, it's like, is that really going to add value? How am I going to contribute to it? Is it useful? Is it going to help our customers? You know, things like that. And it's really being, um, having that safe space where you can question and have that sort of psychological safety with these sort of KPIs and metrics and goals and so forth. I am interested in your experience. Do you use KPIs at your workplace and do you find them useful? The KPIs that we usually use, we don't we don't really have KPIs on our internal things. We mostly have the customer facing uh, KPIs where our main main goal or the main focus is from a coverage point of view on the functionality. So we we focus on the issues coming from the customers, and then we try to 
see what really went wrong in the way that our processes are currently laid out uh, in terms mm-hmm. of having that coverage so whenever a new bug comes in from a customer or um, even from our customer support team those things we we tend to put through a very what do you say a micro lens and see mm-hmm. where exactly what thing went wrong uh, can we improve the way we are currently building our test cases our test suites is that yeah. is that something that we can really um, can really do is something that we usually talk about i think um, i think today i saw your post on uh, the most trending article from your blog right i think the title goes like stop writing the test cases in a step manner is that is that the title for the blog yeah stop writing step by step test cases at the very start of my career this is what i was doing i was writing tests with steps uh-huh. um however through the years and learning from other people i realized there are different ways of doing it so you can keep sort of your documentation that you do to be quite light mm-hmm. i guess this is moving more towards kind of like uh working in parallel with developers sort of agile development they call it yeah so this is where i've learned where the value of my time um is you know well where where does it add the most value and that is through discussions and collaboration rather mm-hmm. than writing test cases <laughs> and step by step sort of manner but i was kind of thinking about this and you know we're not all stupid like why why we why were we writing those step by step test cases and i think i don't know 10 15 years ago we did discuss test automation as much and yeah, now we yeah. start started automating things as we go. So mm. now we don't need to worry about running all these tests manually. We can just click a button and they, you know, they run for us. So I think in the places that might still be writing step-by-step test cases is because they may not have test automation there. And mm. so they've got to mm. run it through manually. So then it's how do you transition from all these legacy test cases you're running manually to then like automating them and figuring out, do they actually add any value at all when we're running them? Are we finding anything? (laughs) You know, looking at and being critical about those test cases. I think, you know, there are also other ways. Uh, In my previous workplaces, um, the testers used to do mind maps of their test cases yeah, so they yeah. would just write out sort of their thoughts. You know, I'm looking at security here, performance or whatever. I'm mapping mm. it out that way and then talking it through the team in terms of what, what they're going to be testing. And then also asking them, what do you think we should be testing? Like, what what are there any risky areas that you're concerned about? So that's another way, a mind map that, that could be done. But I just found it really interesting. That is my most viewed blog post in all of my blog and it yeah. st- still keeps getting hit. So I just wonder why, like why why is everyone reading that? And maybe it is around just around that regression piece that people are still having to write them because they don't have automation. But maybe yeah, there are like, other reasons. I don't mm-hmm. know if you can think of any other other reasons why it's popular. It's very interesting. What I would say is the popularity comes uh, maybe from the ease of it. I think so because the way the way we do it right it's it's actually the translation of our uh, 
activities or interactions with the application right so yeah. i think the main reason why people still follow it today is i think mainly because mm-hmm. the simplicity of the way it's it's as if you're talking to the person but you're not actually talking to the person so yeah. it's it's <laughs> it can it can be seen both ways right so i think that's that's one of the major reason why people um, are still following it i also do uh, i'm i'm a, i'm a big uh, fan of model based testing and building flow charts okay. and other things also the mind maps is one of my favorite tool not everyone uh, is really used to those kind of things right and if you if you still look at some of the materials where testing beginners or someone who is just coming into the field they have access to they always talk about having those step by step things so mm. that that particular material i don't think it's still it still needs some some uh, maturity in terms of how the industry is thinking now uh, because yeah. some of the introductory material still still points to okay now have four columns then you have step 1 then you have expected <laughs> then you have actual then you have the actual result whether it pass or fail and even if you look at uh, some of the tools uh, the test management tools they still follow the same format i mean yeah. when when you when you are um, take alm for example or take even any any jira plugin which comes in right they they mm-hmm. still have the same some some of them have now the bdd uh, format test cases that they accept now it it feels more closer uh, to the way the approach uh, it's overall synced with the automation side as well also the business side so for us it's really easy because product people and uh, our designers they write in a bdd format and then we expand on them and then we have the same automation run for it um, so it, it's 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 a whole like in sync uh, kind of a development that happens for us but it's not the same case at all all the places and all uh, organizations because we have we have a we have kind of a modular setup so we have we have everyone is coming from the same uh, point of view but in like multi vendor setups and in other kind of setups it doesn't really work it takes a lot of work to get everyone on the same page and then start working from there uh, you right. lose a lot of time in that so i think uh, that's that probably why actually these people are still following on that step by step thing and still going through that kind of a thing so i i saw i came across another site where they have um, they they have a test cases uploaded directly i think Uh, so if you uh, search for a functionality they'll give you a list of cases that can be executed so oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> i i came across that right i think uh, two or three weeks back yeah definitely and i think time is precious and where you put your time yeah. you need to think about it but something else that i find interesting is testing is an activity of sort of thinking and mm. you know critical thinking and um how we record our testing evidence can be quite specific to the individual um yeah, so yeah. my brain mm-hmm. might work differently from yours so to get my thinking down onto a, a piece of paper i normally just write notes 
and then after I've done my testing, I kind of digest that and put it into a bit a bit more of a clear report and then talk yeah, someone yeah. through what mm. I found. Other people actually, you know, like right, you know, like planning their test cases before they actually do anything and they like that step by step approach. Other people are quite visual. They like their mind maps, they like drawing things out. Yeah, so yeah. I think there's not a one size that fits all. However, if you are writing step-by-step cases, I just have a think about it. And is there a better way that you can do it? Uh, maybe, you know, you enjoy that way and it's working for you, which is fine. But mm. keep an open mind, I would say, and have, it, have an explore, see what other people are doing. Because you might be surprised that another sort of way will help you better and yeah, sort of yeah. help your stakeholders as well understand what you're thinking processes yeah it might it might also introduce a disconnect between the whole process right you it, mm. we as you rightly said uh, it's it's no one size fits all but uh, it has to be something uh, in a similar uh, spectrum that everyone can understand you can't just go about following your own things and then coming back oh i already did that i i reported you this way i reported you that way but you didn't understand that's not my problem and all the other things right so we don't we don't really want to go into those blame game circles so it's 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 better to have that common understanding up front and then try to mend your ways around it and see how it helps everyone and how it can help everyone yeah, I think asking for feedback. So say, yeah. you know, you provide a mind map or whatever and say, mm. um, what do you think of it? Would you, you know, are there any, is there any feedback that you can give me? Do you want it in a different format? And really listening to the people that are going to be like digesting your testing and making yeah, decisions yeah. like, do we fix this or that bug? So getting their feedback is vital, I think, because Again, they work differently and you have mm-hmm. to find that in-between ground of working with your stakeholder, but also remembering how you work as well and finding that <laughs> kind of middle ground in between. <laughs> yeah, absolutely correct. And because we, we are on the blog and the medium, uh, I also want to talk to you about your handle on medium as well as Twitter, fish outside the box uh what's what's the story behind that is there a story behind that well my surname is fisher (laughs) (laughs) so i wanted to have a play on the word sort of like something to do with me personally um Uh but how i see testing is that we are thinking outside of the box we're not just doing what we're told (laughs) we're looking at things from a different perspective yeah. And we're doing the unexpected. Um, mm-hmm. This this is where I find most production really tricky bugs in there. Something unexpected, something that we didn't think about. So this is where our skill set comes in. So it's like thinking outside the box. So I've kind of mashed those two words together <laughs> with my name, Fish, and then out the box. So... Um, yeah, and it's just kind of stuck, and it's a—I guess it's a little bit cheesy, isn't it? But it's—it's um, it's helped me kind of build my brand up of like who, who I'm about. Um, people, some people remember who I am and look me up and send me a message, which is really great. So yeah, it's a bit of fun, I guess. Yeah, relating yeah. to me and and that testing mindset. 
it's a it's a very beautiful word play actually oh, thank <laughs> now, you so now much. that i think of it it's really <laughs> really fits into that actually the motive of the blog and your character and everything uh, i'm not sure how hands on you are currently but which was the like a most interesting uh, bug you found till date oh that's a really good one <laughs> oh I've, i've had a lot of interesting bugs um i can tell you a bit of a story about one of them so sure. um <laughs> i was i joined a company and i had to, i had a bit of free time so i was like what am i going to do i am just going to have a play around with sort of the test environment and see what i can mm-hmm. break so i'm going to time box an hour and have a go so one of the things i did was just go on a particular page and all i did was open that page about 50 times and so this oh, was on my okay. test environment uh-huh. but then what i saw on the screen on the room was a big red and it was production going down and i was like oh my goodness and <laughs> you know i was looking like thinking was that me you know someone someone looked over at me said you know what have you done <laughs> so that was good that was quite funny i was so so embarrassed <laughs> but then sort of you know like a minute later production kind of like bounced back up and it was all fine oh but what the interesting problem was was the test environment and production they had a linked database oh so that was the real problem so you know going forward I then had to be really careful about the testing mm-hmm. that I performed on the test environment because it could potentially take down production and mm. you know it's not a typical bug but it's a massive yes. problem yeah. so then I had to kind of present this problem and say you know we really need a test environment otherwise I'm going to take down your production <laughs> production <laughs> environment um yeah So it's sometimes you do these things and you know you find out a little bit more so you're like why why is that the case and then you find out out it was the database but if i hadn't have done just played around for an hour on my on my product i would never have found that and i would never have known so it's like super interesting isn't it having yeah. having that space to just have a play around and just have a I know I don't normally use the break mentality anymore but just have a go and see what you can do to find you know no understand your product a bit better and the architecture mm-hmm. behind it which is the interesting thing. Got it. <laughs> so it it was actually an architectural bug rather than uh, a functional yeah. one right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's so like I mean I don't know how they thought about it but uh <laughs> well they didn't was, think about it. Yeah, they that's didn't right. have any, <laughs> any testers before me really. So it just wasn't in their mindset, you know, the uh-huh. while they're thinking in terms of how they set things up. Correct, correct. But in in all in all your career um, now that you are you are an engineering manager there are two aspects of this question. First, uh, how did you saw the advancements in your career how did you plan for them if you planned them uh, in a way and um, along the way what what were your maybe three favorite topics in testing in in all of your career and uh, any triggering points for the interest in those particular areas 
Yeah, sure. So yeah, I'll un- unpack that a little bit. So in terms of my career, I haven't really planned it. <laughs> so I, I hear a lot of people that plan their career. Yeah. However, I've just really gone with the flow. So I started as an account executive and then I kind of fell into testing like a lot mm-hmm. of people do. Yeah. And then it just set off from that. So I worked in the same company for about uh, three years, um, mm-hmm. three, four years. I had a bit of a gap in between to have, have a child. And then I kind of felt, I want to I wanna go just try something else. So then I went and worked for an insurance company as a software tester and then did a little bit of contracting for a year just to cover a maternity contract. Um, but I feel there was a point where I felt, I really want to help other people. Mm-hmm, so this mm-hmm. is where kind of my my mindset went with, you know, I want to be a senior tester, maybe, you know, that kind of gradually happened. But yeah, the point was, yeah, I want to go to help other people. What kind of role would that look like? And then I started looking for a sort of a test manager kind of role. So that's where I kind of landed my first test manager role. Just really having that ability to, show how testing can be done and helping other people. So helping other people foremost first and then sort of guiding how how we could go about testing in the company. But yeah, um, I feel that I think with most people, we tend to naturally go to a new place, perhaps when we're a bit unhappy in the previous role and want to do something a bit different. So this is why I kind of moved to EasyJet because I kind of felt, I kind of felt like I'd done everything I could at the, the, my former company and I wanted to go and work with some different people and, mm-hmm. you know, the culture and everything at EasyJet is amazing. I'm really pleased to be there right now. Um, but, yeah, it's not really a straightforward answer in terms of my <laughs> career. Um, however, what I would say is there's a lot of people out there that will help you. Like if you want to get into software testing, you yeah. want to move into a senior role. You want to be a test manager. Like I'm always here for people that need a little bit, bit of help. But I know, for example, there's plenty of other people. So kind of use LinkedIn and socials and just mm-hmm. ask for help or, yes. or testing communities. There's a lot of different ones all over the world that you can, you can access. Um, just Google testing community in my country or <laughs> in my area. And I'm sure, sure yeah. it will come up with something. Um, but yeah, that's really my career. Just kind of going with the flow, um, seeing, helping other people along my journey. So that's kind of been my mindset. Um, in terms of topics, um, so my background is I did a neuroscience degree. So that is about the brain oh, and behavior. Wow. Uh-huh. So how I think about things is always from a usability perspective. Mm-hmm. Like how, how easy is something to use? How do our brains process the products that we're using? So when I'm testing, I'm a little bit biased and I always, I always start with that. <laughs> so I, I write at the top of a page, like, how do I think and how do I feel about what I'm doing? Because mm-hmm. emotion does come into it. Um, and if there's any moments of frustration when I'm doing something, I write it down. Maybe that's an unclear error message. Um, I was 
looking at a pet store the other day and there was a spinner um it was a bone that was a spinner and it just kept going round and round and round oh and I felt so ill so that would be something that I write down so I feel you know usability is just something that I've really drawn to and I've learned Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. about it over the time thinking about yeah how do our brains process our products how do we react react to things emotionally so I kind of feel that's really helped in kind of my software testing career, finding problems that customers are going to find irritating. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that would be one topic for me in usability. Um, the second one would probably be the role of the tester. Like uh-huh, what uh-huh. is our role in teams and like how, how do we help product teams to create the best products that we can? Um, mm-hmm. early on in my career, I used to get quite f- really frustrated when the bugs that I raised, um, don't get fixed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I used to get really annoyed. Um, however, I've kind of learned a little bit more about, you know, what are the bugs, you know, which bugs would add the most value if we fix them. Mm-hmm. So like thinking about things a little bit w- in a, in a different way, um, yeah. And also thinking about our role as a tester. We are a supportive function. We Mm. don't go away and fix these issues. So it's like, how do we support? How do we create relationships with our team members? Um, Because I think that's really fundamental. Relationships first, build those really key connections. And then everything else is just much easier. So you can like rock up, give someone a five minute call and show them what you found. you know, and I think they, you know, they take you more seriously if you've got that relationship yeah, yeah. and they've got that trust with you. Um, so that's something I'm really interesting at the moment, actually, the role of the tester. Um, as I said, in my current role, we're just writing requirements at the moment and analyzing them. So I'm trying to like showcase what we can do as software testers in terms of how we think about things. We can provide a different perspective um, on things and help help shape those requirements actually from the questions that we ask. Um, I don't know, what would my third one be? That's really interesting. Um, I think I've touched on it a lot and I think it would have to be coaching and mentoring for me, like how it kind of, lies in with the role of the tester as well yeah like how how do we teach non-tech people about software testing Mm, how do we get them you know uh feeling that you know we we add value as part of the team how how can they see it um so yeah those those would be my three really Mm. um yeah okay yeah cool nice to know so the the first one when you said uh the usability and uh the the actual usability aspect of the application i just want you to know kimberly was on the podcast day before uh yesterday oh, wow excellent yeah so we did a recording with uh, her uh, so she she is a big uh, usability uh advocate uh and she has she has been doing fantastic work in the usability sector as well but my my uh thing uh about usability is is usability um connected or does usability translate into the testability of the application or is it the other way around oh that's a really good question Mm. um i think i think i believe they're separate so usability for me is how easy is something to use 
Mm-hmm. So that's it. Sometimes get confused with accessibility, but that that they're, they're separate things. And testability. I've been doing a, l- a little bit of reading around um, testability okay. at the uh-huh. moment, and I've learned that it's to kind of like observe, monitor, so that mm-hmm. you can then control mm-hmm. the application. Yeah. So I, I I believe they're completely separate things to me. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, did you have some thoughts around it yourself? It felt like maybe you had some thoughts about. Yeah, for for me, I think um, so. Usability is mainly um, what do you say? It's a function of your users' um, behavior, basically. If you look at it that way, so the the way your user is going to use the application translates directly into the degree of usability you have in the application. So, once you consider the user aspect of behaviors, you can easily translate them into the usability aspects of your application. So it's more about getting an understanding of user, his behaviors, his or her behaviors and the patterns. And then you can easily uh, translate that into the usability of your application. And once you have that usability aspect, that has already simplified your application as a whole. So once you have the usability aspect considered, your application is very easy to interact, very easy to um, understand for anyone who is coming into that application and i think that again translates to the testability of the application because now that you have simplified the whole process it's 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 going to be very much testable in a sense because it's it's going to be very easy to understand which means that the testable part of your application is going to be very easy for the actual team to test it around and then again maybe i may be wrong but um, hold that testability aspect is usually how easily you can test the application right so if you can easily use the application you can obviously easily test the application so that's that's how i see it uh, as a direct correlation between those two aspects yeah that's really interesting it's something that i'm gonna have to have a think about yeah. <laughs> um that's interesting. I think the difference might be usability is what the user interacts with, right? Mm. Testability can be more than that. Um, we're often doing things like with the architecture, for example, that the customer doesn't see. The yeah, API, yeah. for example, the customer mm. might not see that. So there's a lot of things under the hood yes, that yes, yes. that would be in regards to testability and then the mm. usability would be the top surface of that so yeah. that's maybe how we could could distinguish them but yeah. that's so, a really so, interesting mm. topic yeah so if you were to have a venn diagram then that circle would be inside that other circle so that yeah. once you have the yeah. usability you have at least a part of testability covered so that mm. well not inside they they may overlap each other like this maybe I don't know. Well, I've learned something new today, so thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> no, thank you for the discussion. <laughs> well, um, so we talked about the things that that have been your favorite, but in in all the journey, uh, if we were to say that a particular role was the challenging one for you, which role would it be? Like, were and why why it was challenging now? And now, at this stage, if you were Obviously, you won't be offered the same role, but if you see yourself performing the same duties, would you see that your evaluation of your mindset actually help 
will help you doing that role again mm-hmm. did it make I sense feel, yeah okay. i think yeah, so okay. the most the most challenging role for me would definitely be the role that i'm in right now <laughs> so <laughs> i'm working on a massive program that's got sort of six different little projects underneath uh-huh. and i think it's challenging because there's a lot going on there's a lot of unknowns at the moment and it's like how how do we get involved as quality engineers um and add the the most value at the right time so i think what i've learned in previous roles and especially over the last couple of, of years is mm-hmm. around the growth mindset and failing failing is fine but yeah, what's yeah. most important is having a go so i think in this current role that i'm in i'm giving it my best shot i'm having a go i'm speaking up i'm trying things out um and i think i wouldn't have got here without all my previous learnings in my previous <laughs> sort of <laughs> companies and challenges and things um but one of the key things is at my previous company sage they had a mm-hmm. community called the continuous innovation community and okay. mm-hmm. i was a member member of that community and i learned a lot about how to experiment how to learn from failure um and sort of the mindset that i take into each day is the positive mindset it sounds yeah. super yeah. cheesy but yeah. i think when you think about the positives and have that in the forefront in your mind you realize that you can do stuff rather than you can't and like it, just the possibilities are endless so i never thought i'd be a public speaker i'm yeah. a bit of an introvert some, at times and for me to get onto a public stage and speak in, in front of hundreds of people is a bit mind blowing but it's just that positive mindset learning from failure and just having a go and have the courage and i think if you have all of that skill set um and just continue to continually learn you'll be a great mm. software mm. tester whatever yeah. level you're doing whether your management whether your hands on role but just have a go and have that courage yeah ha- have a go and having that mindset is puts you in a different track altogether right i mean if yeah. it doesn't matter what situation you're starting in if you start with these t- these two things you would you would go places from there yeah definitely 100% yeah. so we talked about your previous experiences your um, roles uh, your interests but is there is there something um, that that is there with you since you were in maybe high school or maybe college that has that has helped you along the way and you would thank yourself for picking that one one habit up uh, very early in your uh, in your life mm-hmm. so i believe my friends and family would call me a positive person and i've mm-hmm. been like that since i was very little um when i was very little i had some heart operations and uh-huh. i i just um i think when you go through things like that you see things in a different light uh, yeah. when you go through i don't know like an operation a hard time maybe bereavement and you start to realize how good life is and it sounds really cheesy but um mm. i think ever since i was little i've had that kind of positive mindset and throughout my life that has helped me 
you know, things can get challenging in time, uh, uh, you know, challenging at work or at yeah, personal, yeah. personal things. And just trying to see the good in each day has really helped me throughout throughout my career and throughout my personal life. I don't think I'd be where I am today without it. And it does sound really cheesy, doesn't it? Have a positive mm. mindset, be happy. But it's just particular things like believing you're good enough, believing, you know, you add value. Yeah, um, yeah. Having that self-belief, knowing mm. who you are and not apologizing for it. Got it. I think it's those kind of things that would really stick for me. And it's kind of the vibes I try and set out. Um, when I initially created my Twitter, I was always used to, you know, send positive vibes out there, lift other people up. Um, I always go and help charities, for example, and help other people that way. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of like the happiness uh, guide, really. There's a really good book by a gentleman called Sean Anker, and he uh -huh, wrote a book uh -huh. called The Happiness Advantage. Um, and it's based on a lot of science, actually, some of the things that he recommends. Um, I really recommend going to read that book. It will give you some real good practical tips of just just having that mindset, that positive mindset and yeah, waking uh -huh. up with a bounce in your step. <laughs> yeah, uh, like you said, it, it, it does... Um sound cheesy like you said but <laughs> what are what are some of your tricks to overcome a bad uh, situation using this mindset when you are actually going through something it's really hard to keep up with that right so what are what are your um, thoughts on it what what do you do in these situations um yeah i i'm not really into meditation i i've mm. tried it and things like that but it just doesn't work for me Writing down affirmations, that doesn't really work for me either. Okay, okay. I think it's all about looking after yourself and looking after mm -hmm. your mind. So one of the things that we, we all do is we're busy. We're busy all the time. Yeah. Even in our spare time or our lunch breaks, we have to watch Netflix. We have to go for a walk. <laughs> we have to do something. Yeah. Um, you know, We have to fill our weekends with extra projects. And I think something that has helped me is um, going outside, sitting on a bench and sitting there for an hour and doing nothing mm. and just letting mm. your mind sit and have a moment to think. I really enjoy getting outside in the fresh air and nature. I think that has really helped helps me in difficult times. Um, just going for a short walk around the block you know it doesn't have to be long a couple of minutes yeah but yeah. that kind of fresh air and that connection with the world mm -hmm. and nature mm -hmm. can really help you I think in tough times and just remembering you're good enough and you don't have to do everything and sitting on the bench for half an hour in the park is absolutely fine or just yeah. sitting in your living room with a <laughs> cup of tea you know yes. just taking yes. that time out I think and yeah. stop also, being so uh, busy Yes, correct. Or just spending time with your kids, uh, just be Definitely. there, whatever they're doing, right? Yeah, that's that's. I think one of my my biggest uh, thing that I do. So I, mm -hmm. if I'm, whenever I try to get time, I just sit down with my daughter and then just see what she's doing. Try to participate or just be there, whatever I can do at the moment. So yeah, I I I try to do that in uh, to have. Uh, my dose of positivity 
in that sense that's really because good. <laughs> yeah it's being present isn't it in the moment yes. just enjoying yeah. just the little things like i don't know your your daughter laughing or running around and being silly so it's joy yeah. enjoying the moment <laughs> yes just don't think too much about it that's 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 what i yeah. usually do yeah 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 uh, you you um, already um, shared one of the book that you like uh, but are there any technical book recommendations in your mind that are I, got, I i had a look before this before we started the podcast uh-huh. um i've got a couple so um so there's one called lessons learned in software testing by ken kaner james back and Pret- mm-hmm. brett brett um um okay. uh-huh. i've started reading this recently um and it's really good. It's got loads of different sections. If I just have a look at the sections at a moment so you can have an idea of what's in this book. Um, but what I'm finding is really useful to dip into. So there's chapters like the role of the tester, thinking like a tester, testing techniques, bug av- advocacy, automation mm-hmm. testing, and so on. Um, and what I'm finding is that yeah I'm like kind of like dipping into it so like the role of the test I'm really interested in at the moment and um, there's a lot of unknowns as I mentioned in my project so I'm like how do I what like what's my role in this project how do I help how do I support and it's got lots of really good tips in so that would be my first book that I'd really recommend to go go and check out um okay. it's been it's been recommended for many many years and it's only recently this year that i bought it so i do recommend it as well so that would be the first book um the second book would be agile testing condensed by janet mm-hmm. gregory and mm-hmm. lisa crispin this is another really good reference book and what's really good about this is that it's only 100 pages long so you can quickly flip through it oh, you know you can keep uh-huh. it in your rucksack or whatever and when you're yeah. stuck or, on something or need some inspiration you can go check that book and it might give you some ideas so those two books are really about software testing and i think they're both great because you can dip in and out of them so just whenever you need <laughs> it rather than having to sit down and read a whole book we all don't have you know enough time really to read all these books so having those sections is quite good. Um, and the yeah. last one, I've spoken mm-hmm. about it a bit, about coaching yeah. and mentoring. Yeah. And the book that really kind of like changed the way I uh, sort of um, coach is called mm-hmm. The Coaching Habit. Say less, ask more, and change mm-hmm. the way you lead forever. This is by Michael Bungay Stanya. And... Um, it's got a list of questions that you can ask. So okay. one of them uh-huh. that I really like that you might see on Facebook is what's on your mind. So what's on your mind? You know, what are you thinking about? And that I find this question um, really revealing. You can see people stopping for a moment and thinking yeah. about yeah. what's really on their mind. And then they share those kind of thoughts rather than saying, you know like how's it going what do you want to talk about you prompt them to like talk about what's on their mind mm-hmm. um so yeah that would be my last book so not about software testing but more about soft skills and how to yeah how to coach yeah thank you thank you for sharing those recommendations uh 
yeah as you rightly mentioned right the soft skills um, are also quite crucial part of the job i think uh, when simon uh, prior was on the show i think he he was doing uh, some survey of uh, what makes a tester so he also had a uh, few of these uh, skills mentioned in the survey and um, obviously the first uh, six or seven crucial ones came out to be soft skills and the technical skills were at number 7 or number 8 something like that oh, so wow. mm-hmm. yeah so i think i think that that really um, speaks to what you were also saying that soft skills are much more uh, crucial in in our day to day job uh, rather than having those technical skills because technical skills you can pick up by doing a course or maybe mm-hmm. attending a conference and uh, doing such things or just talking to a person who has experience in that but behavioral or maybe the soft skills are are a work of practice you can't you can't really just change them overnight right it 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 takes it takes a bit of practice it takes a bit of commitment from your side and then only you can see the effects in your uh, behavior yeah definitely sense. i feel what's important there is to get feedback from other people um mm. you know ask mm. them how you're doing with your soft skills as otherwise otherwise you don't know how to improve so yeah, i'm really big yeah. on feedback and kind of having that open door like give feedback to me and hopefully you know i can provide feedback to you if you would like it so that's the important thing they've got to a person has got to be open to receiving feedback yes correct yeah absolutely i think i think you are coming up on time or i think you are already past maybe i would like to continue discussion as much because i'm i'm really enjoying it but i think we are up on time so i think i'll i'll just maybe let you go because you have other family commitments as well maybe we can have one more <laughs> one more <laughs> recording done so maybe sometime later because i i really enjoyed this thing so yeah thank you uh thank you so much uh, for taking the time out in the busy 30th morning and uh taking time out from your family to be here i really enjoyed it i wish you all the luck in your new role i really enjoy your all the articles that you write i've been following your blog for a while now your contributions to the community is really encouraging um, so thank you again thanks for your time thanks for being on the show yeah thank you so much kanesh i really appreciate you having me here and i've really enjoyed our conversation and i've learned a lot from you today as well so it's been really great Thank you thank you that's that's really great to know um i don't have any uh, words to say on that one uh, but yeah thank you for your time again take care bye bye thank you for tuning in today i hope you found it useful if you did learn something new today please follow us on instagram linkedin and also share rate subscribe to the podcast so that you get the notifications for the new episodes as and when they are launched thank you for being here it really means a lot to me if you want to contribute to the podcast or have your name featured on the podcast please join the private telegram channel all the links are mentioned in the description below until we meet again it's a goodbye from my side take care and be in great health thank you